everyone, and welcome to Outback Talks, the employee engagement podcast. This podcast is produced by Outback Team Building and Training, a leading team building, training, and consulting provider for organizations across North America. I'm your host, Kara Sai, and on today's show, I'm joined by very special guest, Joe Brito, a mindset and management consultant at Innate Leaders. Joe also happens to be our lead coach and consultant here at Outback, and he sat down with me to discuss his exciting solution, Leadership Team Cohesion Consulting. All right. Well, welcome back to Outback Talks, Joe. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. We're happy to have you back. Yeah, it's always fun. So let's jump right into it. Um, today we're talking about leadership team cohesion consulting. Can you give me a bit of a general overview of what that solution is? Yeah. So yeah. So the idea behind it is there's lots of reasons why um, a leadership team may, you know, what should I say, not be as productive as we would want. Mm-hmm. And some of those could be um, interpersonal in that people on the team, perhaps they don't get along. Yeah. That's possible. It could be that uh, the team does get along just fine, but of course, each leader will have its own, you know, their own responsibility. So they may be leading a business area, they may be leading a department, they may be doing whatever it is. Finances. Exactly. Yeah. And then what can happen sometimes in terms of cohesion is that the leaders aren't necessarily working toward um, the benefit of the enterprise so much as working for the benefit of their team right. or their business areas. And then that makes it difficult for that team to come together as a unified leadership team right. to, you know, to obviously lead the business in the direction it needs to go. Right. So you, you could have individual team leaders having success within their own departments and not finding that cohesion as a company. Yeah. And that's such a good point, right? Because I think sometimes when you're the leader of a team, or you know, or department or business areas. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like I'm being, you know, I'm being. Um, my performance is gauged by the effectiveness or the success of my business area. Right. And to a certain extent, of course, that's true. Right. Like yeah. if, like if I'm the leader of a business area and that business area is failing, yeah. it's going to be down to me. Right. But it's also true that that business area doesn't sit in a. Um, in a vacuum, mm-hmm. it sits within the larger team, right? And of course, within the larger enterprise. Yeah. So, it's you know, it's a difficult balance, of course, right, between doing what's best for my business area while at the same time doing what's best for the business. But that, to me, that's the point of the leadership team. Yeah. Right. That we come in together and we say, okay, from your perspective, what is happening in your business area? What is happening in your teams? Mm-hmm. And then, as a as a collective leadership we can go, okay, so now that we understand all those things that are happening, here's what we need to do as a business. And also, the other way around, to say, as a business, we need to be doing this. Yeah. What do we need to change in our various business areas or departments in order to make that thing happen? So you can see, like, the whole thing really is about if we have a team that is cohesive. Right. And by cohesive, I mean a team that is willing to... Uh, to, to have kind of the open, honest conversation so that we know what the state of business areas are. Mm-hmm. We know what the state of the business is. We know where the business is heading. And to have those kinds of conversations, now we can effectively lead that business. Right. And is so that uh, that's what you're helping guide in these consultations? Yeah. So I think two things, really. One is, so the way that we work 
with innate leaders is mm-hmm. we have kind of what we call a two-stage approach. Right. right. So it's always going to be around um, the six the six attributes and growing a leadership mindset because yeah. that's kind of our, th- our thing. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, so it'll be kind of housed in that frame or looked at through that lens. But then the two-stage approach is really how do we grow a leadership mindset in this team? And in terms of team cohesion, that would be around how do we get the team to start to think differently right. so that they don't see themselves or they see themselves less as I'm the leader of my business area and that is the most important thing right? versus how do we work together as a leadership team for the benefit of the entire business? Yeah. So some of the things, you know, I, I just mentioned the six attributes. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the two that are the most important, I think, for team um, cohesion would be genuine curiosity, mm-hmm. which means asking, asking, um, you know, sometimes very obvious, very simple, but also very profound questions right. about why do we do things the way we do? Um, is there opportunities that we can't see that we're missing, that mm-hmm. we could be seeing? Uh, so really simple questions sometimes yeah. that allow us to throw up lots of different um, different answers. Yeah. The thing, you know, lots of people say to me, what's the difference between genuine curiosity and curiosity? And genuine curiosity is really about asking questions in the spirit of wanting to know without an end point in mind. Mm-hmm. So I'm not asking a question because I'm trying to get. Right. I'm asking a question simply because it's, I'd, you know, I'd like to know. Yeah. But genuine curiosity tends to throw up lots of um, answers. Mm-hmm. And that's where flexibility of mind comes in because flexibility of mind then takes those answers, uh, combines them mm-hmm. in creative ways to come up with what I call a revolutionary idea. Right. So for team cohesion, that revolutionary idea could be, and this is just, you know, making stuff up now. Spitballing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but that revolutionary idea could be, is are, are there systems and processes that we could be putting in place that help us work collectively as a team? Right. Genuine curiosity might be asking questions like, why is it difficult for us to have um, open conversations around challenges that we face in business areas? Mm-hmm. Uh, genuine curiosity might ask, why is it that our business areas don't seem to be aligned as well as they could to the corporate strategy? Like those kinds of things. It's so interesting how some of the simplest questions can offer these profound answers, like you said. And so with those two attributes in mind, you you mentioned the six attributes. Mm -hmm. Can you you take us through the rest of them? Can I take you through the rest of the attributes? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So... uh, so first of all, I should say that I'll, I'll do these as if they're six separate things, and they're totally not six separate right. things, right? So yeah. there's this thing called the leadership mindset that we feel is comprised of six attributes, mm-hmm. possibly more, but these are the six that we think are worth kind of focusing on. Right. Um, and they would be, so mindfulness. Yeah. Um, mindfulness is really about having the ability to be present in the moment, to see what is going on under the surface of a situation, to um, to not react to a situation, but mm-hmm. to wait, to see, um, to understand the dimensions of a challenge, right? And then to make a decision based on that. And can you touch on how that would tie into the leadership team cohesion consulting? Uh, leadership team cohesion would be about 
you know, so a certain amount of mindfulness will be mm. about being present enough in the moment so that when somebody says something, yeah. let's say they say there's a challenge with the business area and it happens to be mine, okay. I don't go, hey, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Instead, I have the presence of mind to be able to go, okay, well, actually what this person is doing is they're, ha- you know, is they're exploring um, challenges that are existing, mm-hmm. in this case, in my business area, and we are all working for the greater good of the business, so I could either be defensive about this or I can engage with this. Mm-hmm. So it's about kind of, that's what I mean about understanding what is going on under the surface. Right. So rather than reacting to the thing that is, you know, front and center, mm-hmm. we go, okay, what actually could could be going on here? Right. Uh, flexibility of mind has this has this kind of quality. It's 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 the only attribute that actually runs in a process. So it's a three three step process, you might say. For okay. Flexibility of mind. The first step is recognizing that I could be wrong. Right. Because it's difficult to be flexible in your thinking if you're attached to what I call a cherished idea, right. which is this is the way it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. So if you find yourself kind of arguing for something repeatedly over a series of meetings, mm-hmm. over months or years even, yeah. uh, then that's probably a cherished idea. Right. Yeah. Um, I think what I find sometimes when I go into businesses is some, you know, somebody voices an idea, and of course at that time I don't know it's a cherished idea because I've just heard it. Right. But then I'll hear it several times over and over again over yeah. the course of several meetings. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and there is this kind of funny thing with a cherished idea that what some people do is they voice their idea, they say their idea, nobody goes for it. Yeah. But in their head they go, oh, I see what's going on here. They just don't really understand it. Right. So then they'll just say it again mm-hmm. and again and again and again. Right. Uh, or then they'll just hold on to it because they'll go, okay, clearly people aren't really into it. Mm-hmm. So what I'll do is I'll wait for like a couple of meetings or a few weeks or a month or... I'll bring it back up and I'll again. say it again, and then maybe at that point they'll do it. Or it's your like it, it, it's like your hobby horse, right? Yeah. So like you always want to. So first of all, recognizing that we could be wrong yeah. is a really good way to kind of mitigate the effects of a cherished idea. The second one is to realize, uh, which kind of follows from the first one, that there's multiple valid solutions to a problem. Right. So there isn't just one, and there is never ever just one solution to anything right right there's lots of ways of doing something yes so if we let go of our cherished idea and now we're in a position to see Mm -hmm. there's more than one valid idea yeah and then the third step is to creatively combine these valid ideas so lots of good ideas you might say Mm -hmm. into a revolutionary idea so basically you take the best bits of all of the ideas and you go hey how can we make this into one great idea right it's also like a really good way to mitigate the fact because you know because if we start like if we go back to step one Mm -hmm. that we could be wrong yeah then if i come up with a idea to a solution there's a good chance that could be wrong too right right so one of the like i was in uh, this meeting one time with this uh team and they were saying to me, well, you know, that doesn't really help us to, you know, to know that we could be wrong because now we're paralyzed that anything we do could be wrong. And that's kind of what the three steps kind of take care of. Right. If, if I could be, it's tr- true that I could be wrong about one idea, mm-hmm. but it's unlikely that I'm going to be wrong about if I combine four or five ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, resilience is really all about, so that's one of the attributes, and that's about, um, that's about, keeping keeping on really that when it's really really difficult to get something done Mm -hmm. resilience is you know is the guiding light that allows us to move through right and in you know the book there's a book that i just wrote recently called the six attributes for leadership mindset and right yeah and and i talk about 
resilience, one of the behaviors being keep your eyes on the prize. Mm-hmm. And I talk about that in the book. You know, like that's a that's a that's a hymn or a or a, you know or a song from mm-hmm. the civil rights movement. Um, you know, if if resilience had a sound, it would sound like that song. Right. Uh, this real kind of um, understanding that there are problems ahead, there are obstacles ahead, but we will overcome them. Yeah. And we will get to where we need to get to. And that's the point of resilience, right? If I if I know that I'm going to do something and do these four, five, six, seven steps, mm-hmm. and those steps will lead me to wherever it is that I want, I don't actually need to be resilient, right? Because built into the idea, the concept of resilience is you're probably going to get knocked down. Right. And you keep on going anyway. Even if you're wrong. Yeah, even if you're wrong. Well, actually, not so much even if you're wrong, but you go back, you you know, you you discover that you may be wrong, and then you develop a new idea, a bigger idea, a better idea. But that's a good point that you say, because there's a big difference between resilience and (laughs) pig-headedness. Yes. So pig-headedness is, I am not going to admit that I could possibly be wrong here, and I'm going to make this thing come Mm -hmm. and happen, come hell or high water. And that is the opposite of resilience. Right, yeah. Right. That's basically holding on to a cherished idea on on steroids, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, creating leaders. Creating leaders. Creating leaders is is a uh, is about uh, so it's creating leaders of others, right? Um, I just call it creating leaders. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's it, it's really about thinking about the worldview that we hold as leaders. So um, I think that there's kind of three broad buckets or three broad mindsets that we can hold mm-hmm. as a as a leader a worldview actually is probably a better way to say it than a mindset right? yeah so 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 in this way of thinking about it i think we can have a worldview that sees the job of a leader as being someone who makes sure that things get done right so it's almost like you know my leadership team has given me these things that i need to get done so I have to go, my job is to go to my team and make sure that these things get done, make sure that my team delivers. Mm-hmm. And I call that being focused on the task. Right. Um, and then another worldview as a leader could be that I see my role as being someone who imparts my experience and understanding and wisdom mm-hmm. uh, to my team. More like a mentor. Yeah, more like a mentor. Yeah. Right. So when they're doing things, what I do then is I just go and I say to them, "Well, I would do it this way, mm-hmm. or I would do it this way," and I call that the teach worldview. Yeah. So my worldview is basically I'm going to teach people what to do. Yeah. And then the third one is, uh, no big surprise, it's the create worldview. Mm-hmm. And in this kind of worldview, our focus is how do I grow leaders of other people. So my worldview, my job as a leader is to create other leaders. Mm-hmm. And it's a different approach. So rather than kind of teaching people what to do or making sure a task gets done, I'm now very much concerned about, are people thinking for themselves? Do people have the information that they need in order to make decisions in the interest of themselves and their teams and their departments, but also in the interest of the business? Right. So the th- cool thing about somebody who has a worldview of create is that they're also, as well as creating a leader in front of you, mm-hmm. you're also creating a leadership pipeline within that business. Right. Okay, and the, the sixth one, enterprise thinking. 
Enterprise thinking, yeah. So enterprise thinking. Uh, so hopefully you can see, or hopefully I'm being clear enough about that all of these things are connecting with each other. Yeah. Because enterprise thinking is really going to pull on all of these, just like they all do. But it's really about what are we doing that is in the best interest? Can I have a vision or can I have a view that sees mm -hmm. uh, that what I do connects to a wider business right. and that what I do can support a wider business? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of working, uh, you know, like some people say that enterprise thinking is about uh, doing what's best for the business despite yourself. Right. And I would say it's about doing what's best for the business um, because you understand that by doing what's best for the business, you do what's best for you. Mm -hmm. So back to that book for a second, because yeah. there's this there's this kind of like a, there's this kind of analogy that I have that I think is kind of helpful in terms of enterprise thinking that isn't got to do with business. Because I think sometimes people, uh, you know, it's a bit gray for mm -hmm. what it means for me and my role in the business. Yeah. But if anybody sails. One way to kind of think about it is if you're in like a sailing dinghy, so like a 16 foot boat, it's not huge, it's not enormous, it's going to get battered about by the wind. Right. But it's a sailing boat. And if you're sailing on this on flat water, and let's say you have a crew of four people, mm -hmm. and they're all kind of sitting on the edge of the boat, you'll be fine. But if the, if, if the wind comes in mm -hmm. and it starts to tip that boat over, and if everybody jumps to the side that they think is going to keep them uh, out of the water, so let's say if all four people go to the side that they think, yeah, this is going to keep me out of the water, mm -hmm. they'll tip the boat and the boat will go over. Yeah. So by doing what they think is best for themselves, they're actually doing what's worst for everybody. Right. You can really see how that one ties into this specific solution too as yeah. leadership team cohesion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that that's exactly right. And, you know, like I think there is something about team cohesion that makes us go, um, you know, that when it works at its best, yeah. we are working together mm -hmm. to do what is best for our business areas and what is best for um, the enterprise mm -hmm. as a whole. Yeah, but you know, like these things are, are reasonably easy to talk about, and they're and they're hard to do, and that's what is kind of the point of of innate leaders, really, because because yeah. this two step approach that I'm talking about. So the first step is that we you know we shift mindsets in mm -hmm. the way that we've just. Described, and we may not shift mindsets in terms of all of those six, six attributes. Mm -hmm. We may just kind of pick a few, and yeah. I think, especially for leadership team cohesion, it's probably going to be genuine curiosity, f flexibility, mind, and enterprise thinking. Yeah. Probably, I mean, perhaps. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of stage one. But stage two then is, and now, how do you um, operationalize that? How do you create systems and processes mm -hmm. and new ways of working? informed by this uh, shift in thinking yeah. that allow us to, first of all, embed a new way of working. Yeah. Second of all, uh, uh, reinforces this shift in mindset. Mm -hmm. And third of all, creates a meaningful, long-term, sustainable change for that business. Well, yeah. And I mean, to your point earlier, it it's simple enough to say <laughs> it's okay to be wrong or yeah. know that you could be wrong. But of course, you know, a leader in, in a well-established role it's going to be a lot more difficult for them to practice that, to, yeah. to allow themselves the flexibility of mind yeah. to be wrong. And part of it, too, and, you know, and, and that's where mindfulness comes in in this example, mm -hmm. because part of it, you know, you're absolutely right. If I'm senior in, in a business, I have a, a different perspective, obviously, than everybody else. Mm -hmm. But also, um, there is a thing that sometimes people do that when you're around a senior person, you, 
you defer to them. Right. And that's no fault of the senior person. It's just that's kind of how humans tend to be. Yeah. So one of the challenges for the senior person then is I may not be getting an honest representation of what is going on in this business. Right. Do you know that TV program actually, it's called um, Undercover Boss? Yes. Like that's like a really good example of what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> yeah. so, so as like the leader of a business, you think everything is great and right. all, like all of my senior managers are all doing what they should be doing. And then you yeah. go down to the front lines and you find out what's really going on with, yeah. with your business. And I think that's kind of what I mean about this, this, this kind of mindfulness mm -hmm. to know that just because people are saying to you, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean that all is well in your business. Yeah. So that's an interesting segue into my next question for you. Sure. What type of uh, corporate groups do you think would benefit the most from this solution? So we, so with leadership team cohesion, obviously yeah. leadership teams. Yeah, of course. Uh, but you know, but it, you could say, so what kind of level of yeah. leadership team? And I think. Um, like executives mm -hmm. are like a great place to start. Right. We like we, like we tend to work a lot with executive teams um, because if you you know if you create something meaningful there, there's a there's a really good chance that that's going to cascade throughout the entire business. Right. And we're kind of in the business of creating meaningful long term mm -hmm. change, right? We're not, you know, like we're not the people who come in and do like a day of of something and go, okay, you guys, right. you know. So, so, you know, so that's like a really good place to start, but director levels work quite well, um, um, senior management yeah. levels, middle managers, and then probably when you get lower than that, then that's probably outside of our kind of remit. Yeah, and so y you just mentioned how you're not the type of uh, coaching and consulting that comes in mm. for a one-day thing. So what type of results can these executive teams expect from the type of solutions that you're offering. Yeah, so so the result that they would get is first of all they'd get a shift in shift in thinking. That's kind yeah. of the that's kind of the main thing that we do. Yeah. But because we have this two stage approach, we apply that shift in thinking to the real world challenges that the team in mm -hmm. this case or perhaps the business yeah. faces to design um, a meaningful change to the way that we operate as a team or as a business. Right. So what that means then is because we are um, div you know, applying, uh, yeah, applying our shift in, in thinking to the challenge, we look at it differently. Mm -hmm. We create a solution that we would never have thought of before because we're looking at it differently, mm -hmm. and then we operationalize that solution. Right. So it'll be different for different teams, but the general sense of it is: first of all, we'll get a shift in thinking, mm -hmm. and then we'll get a revolutionary uh, solution to the challenge that we face, either as a team or a business. Right, and so can you sort of point out how it's different from a from a typical mm. consultation or, or coaching? Yeah, so so the way that it, it differs from um, traditional coaching mm -hmm. would be that a traditional coach, and this is like a broad brush, right? Because it's it's there's, yeah. like the, yeah. there's a lot uh, to all of these different things, but uh, um, a traditional coach is generally going to be. Um, focusing on what is the gap what is the ability gap mm -hmm. and can we can we fill that in order to do whatever we do and they tend to be kind of outcome focused so they tend to be kind of let's build a plan to get to x mm -hmm. um and that's you know that's fine and that you know that like that works in lots of instances yeah um i think probably 
we're psychological coaches, we're mindset consultants, so we're also concerned about what is the what is going on under the surface, you might say, yeah. that is making it difficult to achieve that. Digging a bit deeper. Yeah, because I think, I think, you know, you can work with someone to create a plan. Yeah. And that, and you can even rah 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 support them as they go through that plan. Yes. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're gonna complete that plan. Right. So I think that when you start to look at what is going to make it difficult for us to make that plan happen, mm-hmm. now we're kind of getting a little bit more into our space. Right. Because we are more concerned with, is there anything that you're thinking about or anything about your mindset or anything about the mindset of your shared team or whatever it may be that is going to make it difficult to make these things happen? Right. So whereas, to summarize really, whereas a, a, a traditional coach is looking for how do we create the outcome that you're looking for, mm-hmm we're kind of more looking at what is it that is uh, working or not working for us in order to create Mm -hmm. whatever it is that we're looking for. So is it fair to say that um, you're offering more of a fundamental shift in how these leadership teams are actually thinking about the problem rather than just a solution to the problem? Like you say, it's not so much outcome focused of course you want them to achieve the results but rather than just giving them xyz to get there you're shifting the entire way they're looking at that problem in order to get there it's a nice way to think about it that's right so if if traditional coaching mm-hmm. is looking at what is the outcome that you're trying to achieve and what steps do we need you know to hit yeah. in order to achieve them and like i say that is useful and needed in some some instances so i'm not denigrating that at all yeah mindset work though what that does is it looks at what is the core challenge that is getting in the way Mm -hmm. how can we shift your mindset to adjust uh, um, overcome that challenge Mm -hmm. and then because we've shifted mindsets you also you know as a freebie you might say you've also shifted behaviors because if you shift the way you think mm-hmm. you naturally shift the way that you behave right so the difference between um, traditional coaching which is really looking for here's our goal what's our steps to get there mm-hmm. versus mindset consulting which is let's shift the way that we think and as a result shift the way that we behave and because we're behaving differently we are now able to see the challenge differently create right. a different solution to that challenge and then also uh, work toward making it happen because we've sh- shifted our behaviors. Right. So is there anything else that you'd like to mention about leadership team cohesion consulting before we wrap up? Uh, what else would I say? I think that it's, it's, um, it's a useful, you know, it's a different way for lots of people to think about mm-hmm. uh, teams. Yeah. And I think that often we think, okay, our team has the problem, so let's do this, let's do this, let's do that. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes this, the, the, the approaches that we take to grow team cohesion are kind of temporary solutions mm-hmm. as opposed to a long-term meaningful one. Right. So I think sometimes it's, it's, it's scary and it's difficult. There was yeah. like, you know, there's like a few people who have worked with us on team cohesion who said to us, you know, it seemed like a massive risk. Um, but I think sometimes you take the risk and you get something that you never dreamed was possible. Right. Well, that's great. Thank you so much for your insight today, no Joe. Worries. And thanks, thanks for joining me. me. And uh, Joe will be back next next time with uh, another episode talking about strategic focus consulting. So we look forward to having you back. Thank you.
That's it for this episode of Outback Talks. Thanks again to Joe for joining me on today's show, and thank you for listening. Outback Team Building and Training helps organizations across North America build relationships through memorable team building, training, and consulting experiences. And our team has been recommended by over 14,000 corporate groups in the United States and Canada. To learn more about Joe and his coaching and consulting solutions, visit the coaching and consulting section of our website at outbackteambuilding.com or get in touch with one of our employee engagement consultants. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you may listen to your podcasts. Until next time, this is Outback Talks, the employee engagement podcast.